Hey everyone, welcome back to You Ask For It, a podcast uh, from pastors where we are just walking through some of the questions that you have about life or the church or what it means to be a believer. Um, And so today we have a question that is a difficult one, but one that I know I hear asked often today. And Pastor Steve, I know that you have heard this in all your years of ministry from people in the church or even in when you've been doing stuff on college con- uh, you know, campuses of this question of, of, of how could a good God allow for evil to happen? Or how do you answer the question of the problem of, of evil and suffering? And, and I think the reason that this hits home even for us is because we've even seen people who, who, claim to be Christians and and then their faith kind of wiped away or, or washed away because of this very question. For instance, someone in our backyard, um, Bart Ehrman, who now teaches at the University of North Carolina, is a guy who went to school that you love, Moody, Moody Bible Institute, uh, went there and then was a youth minister and then went to um, Princeton Divinity School. And, and somewhere in that time there, um, lost his faith. And he says the reason why, he says that the problem of suffering has haunted me for a long time. Ultimately, it was the reason I lost my faith. So Pastor Steve, how I know we've probably even got people listening right now who are dealing with this. Yeah, and see, that's the whole thing. It's not just an academic question. Mm. You know, C.S. Lewis did Problem of Pain, which he tried to academically deal with the problem, and then he went through a grief observed, you know, so his later book, When His Heart Hurt Because He Lost mm. His Wife to Cancer. Yeah. You know, for many people, they're having a struggle because somebody they love, they, they wonder— I've seen too many good people hurt, and I've seen too many bad people get off too easy. Mm. And so how can this be? And so what I want to do today, I don't have all the answers. I I wished I could give you a pat answer. There are clues from the Bible that will help us be able to grasp and understand what's going on. And I would say that when it comes to the problem of evil and suffering, Romans 5.12 is one of the key verses. In Romans 5, he's talking about how Jesus Christ and his coming and his dying has solved our problems. And he mentions that the first Adam messed, messed everything up. Jesus is the second Adam who came to undo all the damage the first Adam did. Let me read you Romans 5.12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sinned. Now, all those words are important. Hey, if you don't mind, I'm just going to kind of logically walk through what the Bible teaches about this problem. The first thing I want, want everybody to understand is this. God is not the author of evil and suffering. If you go back to Genesis, every day of creation, when he finished doing his work, he said, it is good. It is good. He ended it with, it's very good. Mm. So God created a perfect world. He gave Adam and Eve a paradise to live in. There was no sickness. There was no diabetes. There was no cancer. There was nobody that was hurting one another. There was no war. It was a perfect world. But what God also did was this. Because God wanted children, not robots, he gave Adam and Eve free will. He wanted us to be able to freely choose to follow him. Um, When I raised my five kids, I could have been one of those hard daddies who said, okay, kids, when daddy gets home, first thing you do is you walk in the door, you hug me, and you kiss me, and you tell me I'm the best dad in the world, or you won't be able to sit down that night. And I can just see him up there. You're the best dad. I love you so much. That wouldn't be satisfying. But there were rare occasions, Justin, when I was raising my kids where they walked up to me just out of the blue and said, you're the best daddy in the world. It made it worthwhile, and they got to go to Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) That's satisfying. So God could make us—we could be walking around, you are wonderful, you are God, you are good like robots. We could be glorifying him. But if it didn't come freely from our hearts, Mm. that that, that wouldn't be anything that— So he wanted children, not robots, but 
But once Adam and Eve took that free will, the first thing they did was sin. It says mm. they sinned and opened a door that let death into this world. Mm. So they were in a paradise. They chose to sin. And when they opened that door, not, not just death came in. Cancer came in. Diabetes came in. Mm. War came in. Now, I can just hear somebody saying, they did that. When I see Adam in heaven, first thing I'm going to yeah. do is jack his jaw for messing this up. My, my five-year-old Titus says that before. I said, why do they have to do that? You yeah, know? There you yeah. go. Well, what you've got to recognize, it says death came to all because all sin. Mm. Your fingerprints, my fingerprints are on that door handle too. We've all taken our free will and chosen to do that. So here's the principle. Here, here's the thing we've got to understand. God created a perfect will. We took our free will. We opened the door. God doesn't force people to do right. You know, when I hear people say, why did God allow that rape to occur? Why did God allow that war to occur? Well, you, you've got to understand, God could stop all rapists. He could stop all wars, but then we'd be robots. I, I'll tell you a story. When I was in Georgia, I had a woman that came to see me who wasn't a member of the church, and she said, I've got to give up on God. He just failed me for the second time. I said, well, please tell me your story. Well, he said, when she, was a, she said, when she was a little girl, her daddy was off in Vietnam, and there was the knock on the door. Two men in uniform. She was standing next to her mom, and they had severe looks on their face. And they said, ma'am, we've got some bad news. Your husband's been wounded in Vietnam. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look like he'll make it. She said, my mama fell apart. And I looked up, and I grabbed her skirt and said, mama, you quit crying. I'm going up to the bedroom, and I'm going to pray, and God's going to heal daddy. Don't you worry about it. God's going to heal daddy. Mm -hmm. The next day, they came back. We're sorry, ma'am. He didn't make it. Mm -hmm. She said, it took me a long time to trust God after yeah. that because I prayed and God did not save my daddy. Then in recent days, I'm married. I have several small children. My husband's been telling me the last few months that he's not happy. He's been talking about leaving. And I've been praying. I said, Lord, please don't let my husband go. My children need their daddy. I need him here. And this week he walked out. Hmm. And I don't know if I can trust God again. And I shared with him, I said, my heart breaks for you. But you've got to understand this. God did not cause the Vietnam War. James 4 said, where do wars come from? They come from the lusts in our heart, our own evil desires. And God, when you're praying for somebody, you've got to understand this. God doesn't make a husband stay home and do what he ought to do. Now, what we can pray is, Lord, make him miserable, convict him, put people in his path that mm. will give him the right counsel. But God will not force people to do right because he's, he doesn't want robots. He wants children. Now, now, with that said, with that foundation laid, here's, the, here's something that everyone needs to know. All suffering in this world is either directly or indirectly caused by sin. Now, sometimes you can see a direct cause. Uh, one of my friends in high school, I had a little Jesus rock band where we went, out, went around persecuting the saints. And uh, <laughs> how many how many of y'all had uh, long hair, mullets, beards, all that? Uh, well, no mullets. No, that was eighties. I'm sorry. Yeah, seventies. Well, eighties were the mullets. Nineteen seventy. <laughs> we had sideburns and long hair. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to see those pictures, by the way. Well, so. well, I hope not. I hope not. But anyway. Uh, We'd finished a concert, and we got a call. And one of my friends in the group, his dad died that night. Mm. He'd been struggling with cirrhosis of the liver because he was an alcoholic. Mm. 
Mm. You can point a direct line between his drinking and his dying of cirrhosis. Uh, we have people who we had a huge increase in deaths last year in America from the 30 to 50 year old age. But what they're not saying, and if you check that down and look the fine print, it's because of the increased drug use and especially the, the deadliness of fentanyl. Mm. And so if you see somebody that overdoses, you can say there's a direct line here. But what about a young person with diabetes? What about a child with leukemia? You can't sit here and say that child must have sinned. But here's what you need to know. There would have been no leukemia. Mm. There would have been no diabetes if we hadn't opened the door and sin has come in and brought all of these things that, that, that hurt us in this life. Mm. So here's what, where it goes in Romans 5, and I'll, I'll point you to this. Um, in Romans 5, it says Jesus is the one God sent to undo what we've, what we've done wrong. Verse 15, the gift is not like the trespass, for if by one man's trespass the many died, how much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflowed to the many. So what Jesus did is he came and he died for our sins so that our sin problem could be paid for. He rose again and gives us the promise of eternal life. I'm going, I'm going to a paradise one day. Where there's no more tears. There's going to be a place I'm going to where I won't have to do another funeral. Mm. I won't have to make another hospital visit because there won't be funerals and there won't be hospitals. He, he did that with his death and resurrection. He comes in and he's, he's, says, I'm going to more than make up for any suffering you have here. Romans 8, I consider the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. Mm. But here's the problem, Justin. There's still a lot of people out here who are bitter at God because of the suffering they've witnessed. Yeah. But on top of the suffering that they've experienced and the hurt that caused, I think sometimes we Christians are at fault mm. for producing bitterness at God. Wow. Here's my definition of bitterness at God. Bitterness at God comes from blaming God for not keeping promises he never made. Mm. You, you watch yeah. TBN, you read the faith... The health and wealth guys, God wants you healthy, God wants you well. That's not the way it works out in life. That's not the way it worked out in the Bible. Yeah. I had a, a sweet lady in one of my churches, and she had a, a, a case of cancer where she got weaker and weaker. And I had a group of charismatic ladies. Now, they loved the Lord, but somehow they decided this was going to be their story. They had decided they're going to come every day and pray healing prayers over her. And they did that. They claimed her healing in the name of Jesus and she was patient with him. But she had a 12-year-old shy daughter named Katie. And every day they pat Katie on the head and say, don't you worry about your mama. God's going to heal her. I was with Nancy over the weekend when she died. On, on two days before she died, I walked into the hospital room where she was, and she was low. And the first thing she said was, preacher, you look tired. Are we work, working you too hard? Hmm. Can you imagine that kind wow. of unselfishness? Yeah. But I was with her when she died. She was hooked up in the ICU machines, and the numbers were going down, and the nurse assured us and said, she's not responsive. You don't have, don't even do, I said, I'm going to read scripture. And so I read Romans 8 to her, and the last thing that happened, as I read Romans 8, two lines of tears came wow. down her face as she went into the presence of God. Wow. Six months later, I went by to check on Bill, and I said, Bill, you, you lost your wife six months ago. Are you... Have you had times where you felt bitter at God? He said, I've never been bitter at God, but I've been bitter at those ladies because mm. of what they did to Katie. Yeah, wow. He, he said they promised her that God was going to heal her, and she took it to the bank. Mm. And so I'm bitter at them for making those promises. Mm. Well, Justin, 
God never promised us a, a life with no suffering. Never promised us a world without suffering. But he gave us some good promises. Let's let's just throw some promises out at each other yeah. that will help us get through a world of suffering. Absolutely. And what we would love to tell, you know, we tell people is it's it's those promises from the scriptures that we do stand on when the hard times. So so one that we talk about a lot at our church is um, the incredible promise of Romans 8, 28, that God is working all things together uh, for our good, um, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so and what he's saying in there is not that that everything in your life is going to be no, good, it's not good, but even in the pain and the suffering and all that, he is working for our good and for his glory. And we should, I mean, that's a God who loves us. And shouldn't we trust him for that? I think that's yeah. a big one to hold on to. And, and there's an Isaiah. Isaiah passage that almost says the same thing. Yeah. And Isaiah, uh, what is it, 58 or? Isaiah 61.3, it says that God is bringing beauty from ashes, right? And I mean, incredible. Think about that. Like when we look at, when we think of ashes, we think something's been destroyed, it's been burnt down from all this. And in this, what it is saying is that from those ashes, God births beauty. And so for us, like, could it even be that in our pain, in our sorrow, in our suffering, that God is in that going to use it for something so much greater than we could ever imagine. I mean, that's, like I said, well, there's probably hundreds of thousands of people that we could bring on right now. In our church. Yeah. To say, tell us a story of where it would look like ashes were actually the beginning of God doing something beautiful in your life. It would be an incredible thing to see, wouldn't it? One more thing I think of is 2 Corinthians 12. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. This is the Paul that healed people and raised the dead. But he went to God for the for the thing that was hurting him, a physical pain. He said, Lord, please take this thorn out. And three times God said, no, no, no. Instead, I'm going to give you grace. Hmm. So even if we're not delivered from suffering here, he's promised us no matter what we face, there'll be grace sufficient. Amen. He'll get us through it. Yeah, that's good. And then, Pastor Steve, I know you've got... This is your favorite verse of all time. For every problem. Everything. This is what you throw out. What would you say for, for, for our people... This right here is what you need to hold on to more if than anything. If you want to get through the problem of evil and suffering, how can there be a God of love? How about John 3, 16? Hmm. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Hmm. Henry Blackaby, when his daughter was a teenager, she had cancer, had to go through chemo. That's a hard life, especially for a teenager. And there were times when she was low that they, he said, we were tempted to doubt whether not God loves us. He said, at those moments... I take my daughter and both of us would make a trip to the cross mm. and we'd say, how can we doubt that God loves us? Look at that. Yeah, yeah. Man, what a great thing for us to hold on to is like in the dark moments, why should we ever doubt if God is for us when he gave his son for us? He took Amen. on, Jesus took on the wrath of God for us, mm. died in our place. You know, incredible thing for us to hold on to in that. Right. So. Well, I hope this was a helpful episode for you. Um, I know it's not easy. It's still not easy to work through, but I hope it was something helpful. I hope these promises that we talked through are something that you can grasp a hold of. It might even be good for you to to, to write them down and memorize them. As, as, as it says in Philippians, think upon what is true. These are good things to think upon when you do have those hard times. Um, in front of you. So uh, I pray you hold on to that. Um, share this with, if you have people around you that are hurting right now, this could be a good episode for you to share with them. Um, and maybe this could help them through or even just begin to spur a conversation that you have with them. So thanks for joining us for You Ask For It. And uh, we'll be with you again next week.